This week on the Clash Tips podcast, we talk about a subject that's difficult to talk about, but super important. Gamer mental health, especially at this time of the year, can be difficult, and we're going to discuss it right now. Welcome to the Clash Tips podcast. Super excited to have T back with us. T, how you doing? Pretty good, man. I'm excited for this episode. It's going to be a good one, I think. Yeah, a, a good one, one that I've wanted to do for a long time. I know that when we were initially talking about joining up and doing the podcast, this was one of my first requests. And we always knew that it was going to be a difficult podcast to do, talking about gamer mental health. But it's something that I struggle with, sometimes on a regular basis. I mean, it depends on life, like how things yeah. are going, like what's going on around me, you know, whether or not finances are good, family issues are good. Uh, what time of year it is like there's just so much that's involved with it and I think that there are a lot of people who struggle with the same thing and I wanted with this episode to let people know that they're not alone I don't know you have any thoughts on that and I I think especially because we play a game like Clash of Clans that has the little bit of gotcha potential gambling addiction type Mm -hmm. aspects to it I think it's helpful to kind of talk about that because I've struggled with that and the past uh and i think we've mentioned it like a few times but tangentially i have used video gaming and gaming in general as both a helpful and an unhelpful coping mechanism in various points of my life so Mm -hmm. we've talked about these little like guidelines you know like even in the last episode when we talked about guidelines with like my purchasing all of that kind of comes from uh, mental health awareness learning how to have a healthy relationship with games because for a very long time like i did not have a healthy relationship with games so it's taken me a minute to get there and have it be something that is a positive influence in my life instead of something that's a potential negative so i think this is like it's a it's it's also something that like most people don't talk about so it's like you said it can be very alienating if you're struggling and Mm -hmm. looking at all these people that you think are not struggling at all and thinking that everybody's hunky dory and everybody's like perfect, but mm-hmm. it's it's. I think the number one thing that I've learned that as I as I've gotten older and become an adult is that your experiences are a lot more common than you think. Very much so, yeah. And especially with everybody posting on social media, you know, and mm-hmm. people may hear us specifically on the podcast, and they may think, "Oh man, those guys they laugh all the time. Their lives <laughs> must be great." Right. And I'm here to tell you, no, that's not the case. And I mean, we we all go through rough times. I, you know, and before we continue, I, I definitely want to uh, bring in our guest. We. This is somebody that I uh, heard on a podcast on the C2J podcast a while ago, talk about this topic and talked about it from a very raw and emotional standpoint and opened himself up in a way that I was super impressed because as you said, T, people don't talk about this for whatever reason, it's almost taboo in society. So let's go Mm -hmm. ahead and introduce uh, our guest hero as everybody, anybody who's listening to this podcast knows he is the uh, blizzard god blizzard king (laughs) but he's also a valuable member of our clash uh, group of our um our player base and we very much appreciate him hero how you doing tonight doing well thanks for having me guys yeah uh, i mean one of the reasons why i wanted to do this podcast on this specific topic was because i heard you talk about it so why don't you kind of give a little bit of a background on your experience in the subject and you know before i do that i did want to give a few disclaimers to anybody who's listening to this Uh, first of all me and hero and t are not mental health professionals (laughs) by (laughs) any stretch of the imagination at all at all (laughs) this is just three good guys talking about how we experience mental health and how that relates to our experience in gaming. If you are somebody who is experiencing mental health issues, I can personally say that going to a therapist has helped me out in immense ways, hugely. I've been through some really difficult times in my life. And if I had not had a professional standing beside me to help me through those times, I don't know that I personally would have made it through those. So if you are listening to this, just this is just three guys talking about it. If you need help, going to a professional is what all three of us would most definitely recommend. Yeah, a hundred and ten percent. And something sure. that 
you know, people reach out to me in my personal life because, you know, I project this kind of calm energy a lot of the time and they ask me for help a lot. And the thing that I will always say is like, go to therapy, like get a therapist. Like if you can find a good therapist, they're like worth their weight in gold. And if you're struggling, we can give tips and we can talk about our experience and maybe you can connect with that and maybe that'll help you. But the reality is sometimes you just need a professional's help. And it's the same thing. Like if I needed to learn how to work out, I'm not going to just go to the gym and start throwing weights around and expecting to get good results. I'm going to hire a trainer to give me a program that's going to help me get in shape. And a therapist is the same thing. Like if you're struggling with these negative emotions or negative experiences, or you're stuck in any sort of negative mental health space, a therapist, not only can they like kind of confirm that you are okay and that, that like what you're going through is normal, but they can give you kind of strategies and plans and ideas for how you can positively improve your life in the, in the future. And it's, it's not something that you're going to get from this podcast, like a hundred percent go to a therapist if you're yeah. really struggling. Yeah. You know? And there, there is a national suicide prevention hotline. So if somebody's listening to this and you're like, maybe you're listening to this six months from now or a year from now, uh, the national suicide prevention hotline is uh, 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255. And it's a number that I've called before. I mean, I, we're getting real, um, but it's something that I've dealt with. Uh, second thing that I wanted to say was if, if there are any triggers that we talk about in this episode, know that you can just turn the podcast off, like just turn us off, stop listening, call somebody, get some help, but know that we may talk about some things that could be triggers. And so we want you to be safe. Anybody who's listening, uh, the three of us, like we're talking about this, but just be warned that there might be some triggers that we talk about, but, but let's go to hero. Like hero, you, you have experienced this in a very deep and real way. Do you mind uh, sharing a little bit of your story? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, uh, you know, I've always suffered with, you know, depression my whole life. Like, it's hard to really pinpoint when it started, but it just kind of comes in waves. And then, you know, my big thing was just kind of sweeping it under the rug for the longest time. That's which we've all just, done. We've all mm-hmm. done it. Yeah, just forget about it. Don't, you know, I would always think that something clearly was wrong with me because it doesn't seem like anyone else feels this way you know Mm. and that was like my first step into doing anything better for myself is just trying to be honest not only with other people but be honest with myself that it's that this is what I'm going through it's a real thing it's not something that's going to go away if I don't look at it and so that was kind of like one of my first steps was just like saying okay no I do have a problem and it's not a bad thing but it's something that I need to address though Right. right. And it's not bad at all. I, I, I think the, the one thing and the reason that I wanted to do this episode is because it is very common. It is so common out there that people struggle with this kind of a thing and they think that they're alone. Um, mm. and I don't know, T, what do you think about that? I think, you know, I, I, I spoke about it earlier where like the older you get and the more you're able to meet people and have these kinds of frank conversations with the more you realize that everybody has their stuff. And it's something that I went through a few different stages in my life, but I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but when I was 27, I was diagnosed with leukemia and that was certainly an interesting, uh, uh, well, let's say two years. Um, but something that was funny was people would come up to me and like friends, family, and like we would talk and they would end up talking about stuff that was, that they were going through and they would always caveat it with like oh it's not it's it's not cancer it's not what you're going through and it it was funny to me how many people felt this need to downplay their own suffering because they knew that I had gone through something you know traumatic and that just kind of made me realize that everybody thinks that their own suffering isn't important in a way that like like 
but you're the weird one that because you're depressed or because you have anxiety or because you have these things that like you're an outlier and nobody else has it and it's not important and like all of those thoughts get stuck in people's heads and then you you just have to take that step back and and realize like no it's okay it's okay that i have these thoughts i need to manage them in a way i need to have a strategy to deal with them in in some manner and what that is you know only a therapist is going to be able to help you with in most cases yeah but- you know and you know one thing that i i realize that i'm stereotyping a little bit but gamers tend to be a little more socially inept a little more socially awkward and i know that that's the case with me yeah. so if you heard me on the podcast you would think that i'm this super outgoing super laughable guy who has you know some great jokes <laughs> uh, but... i don't know that anybody would ever describe your jokes <laughs> jerk <laughs> uh, i i kid i love all of your bad jokes they're really good but in reality when it comes to social situations, if it gets above a certain number, and I've talked about this before, if it gets above a certain number, I, I really start exper- experiencing this anxiety. And the beauty of a game like Clash, or I know he, T, you've talked about Halo. I was very involved with Halo years ago, is I could game and feel like I wasn't the weird one in the room because mm-hmm. for me, if there's a lot of people in the room, you know, I'll look at some people and, you know, they're skinnier than I am, or they're better looking than I am, or maybe everybody's laughing at their jokes. And I feel like nobody's laughing at my jokes. And Mm -hmm. so if that's the case, uh, I know that gamers, I know that a lot of gamers experience that. Yeah. It's interesting to me that I've gone through different phases in my life where gaming was like a helpful coping mechanism or a spiraling depressive episode. And Mm. most of what determines what gaming is for me in my life is like how I allow myself to experience it. So like when I was in college, I, I have never been a very good fit for formal education um, like my whole life, but college, it got like real bad because I didn't, really function well without a structured guideline of like how, like when I'm supposed to like do things and so like not having firm due dates and not having people checking in and not having all of the support that you normally have wasn't great <laughs> mm. and I kind of found myself depressed and unhappy and I uh more or less like yeah I got addicted to World of Warcraft um <laughs> And I, you know, I found myself like not socializing and not going out with friends and not doing my work and not doing anything except eat, sleep and play World of Warcraft. And that's kind of the first part of my life where I realized I kind of have a little bit of an addictive personality where I get kind of obsessive about things. And that's why, like you hear me talk about Clash of Clans and the purchasing where like I have these very strict guidelines that I will not let myself go outside of because I know what happens if I do. And in these little guidelines, well, that means that clash is a little bit of a pressure valve um, of stress relief where like I have fun. And I, I know that as long as I'm like within these little guidelines that I've set up for myself, I know that I'm not obsessing about it. I know that I'm not being compulsive. I know that I'm not indulging in these um, negative play habits that, I, that I'm potentially prone to. And then it just becomes like this little helpful release valve. Yeah. Um, and I think that Clash is a game that's well suited to that because you do have the community, which is the reason why a lot of people play the game. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who aren't necessarily quote unquote good at the game, but they really enjoy it because it gives them an opportunity to interact with other people. You know, I, I'm experiencing a mental health episode. I'm lonely, I'm feeling depressed. And so I'll hop on game chat mm-hmm. and I'll see if anybody's on, or maybe I'll shoot a message to somebody on discord. Uh, Hero, how does games or how has games related to your mental health situation? Uh, what kind of games have you played? Uh, how have you responded to any addiction that's related to games or any such surrounding circumstances? Yeah, I, I feel like I'm, kind of 
close to T, whereas I have a really addictive personality. And growing up, it was always video games. As I got older, maybe, you know, then I started drinking a lot too, which was then, I mean, you got to take everything kind of like in a balance, I feel like. And it's hard to do that sometimes when you have these mental health issues. I mean, I would stay up all night till the sun came up, you know, so many nights in a row. And then I was homeschooled. So it was like part of the problem too, because then I could just do my schooling whenever I wanted. And then I would just stay up all night again and sleep all day. And it would, it became this crazy thing, but you know, as long as you can try and balance it and you know, that's the best advice I would have for that. Yeah. Growing up, I didn't have any balance, but it's only been lately. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. How, how how does, uh, how does clash in specific, like, how does that relate? Because clash is a little different, for example, than world of Warcraft or, uh, halo, for example, has it had a positive impact on your mental health experience or a negative impact in some ways? Yeah, Clash is great. I mean, you can always kind of come back to Clash. You can't really play Clash for 24 hours a day unless you're like Galadon is, you know, dropping up a bunch <laughs> of gems or something like that. You know, it's you build an army, cook it, do an attack and, you know, come back in a half an hour or something. It kind of gives you sort of a balance and you can still talk to people on there while you're waiting and stuff too, which is refreshing because it is social engagement. So it kind of gives you an outlet that way, but it's also not the same social engagement as like going outside and talking to people. It's like some weird halfway point that kind of still helps you, you know, be social and talk mm-hmm. to people, but it's, you know, it's just another aspect of it, I guess. Something I know that I, I have struggled with and T you've actually mentioned that you struggle with this a little bit, but when I'm going through a dry spell with clash hero, you and I were talking a little bit, about this before we started recording, but so oftentimes we'll be in CWL or we'll be in a tournament war or even just regular wars. And we'll see people tripling left and right. You know, it seems like all their attacks are going right. And I'm just going through a dry spell. You know, I haven't had a triple in however long, I just, I'm just not as good at the game as somebody else is. And sometimes I'll look at that and I'll, I'll just think, man, this, this, stupid game you know and I'll, I'll you know throw my tablet down and i'll go into the corner and i guess i'll pout for a little bit and i'll wallow in my own <laughs> in my own troubles t i have you experienced that at all and how do you combat that whenever you're going through a dry spell uh, especially when you put yourself out there i mean we put ourselves out there on the podcast and so in some ways there's this pressure to think you know we do a clash podcast so therefore people think that I must triple all the time. You know, I have this working knowledge of the game (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I'm not able to triple. How does that affect your mental health? Yeah, I'm going through that a little bit right now where I haven't had an attack in Tunnel 14 really click for me the way that hybrid uh, clicked for me in Tunnel 13. And it's, it's a struggle, especially now doing the podcast and having people in the server and um, in our Discord server and trying to like, answer these questions you know it's frustrating to have this knowledge in your head and then not be able to execute it the way Mm. you want to yeah and i don't know it's one of those things like the thing the thing that i keep trying to remind myself is that i've been extremely busy since i don't covid (laughs) (laughs) and i you know that's that's another thing like you know real life kind of has a habit of intruding especially as you get older And I don't really have the same amount of time that I used to have to invest into just one game. So I just keep trying to remind myself that, you know, I'm not practicing as much and I'm not doing as many FCs as I should be doing. And so my expectation of my output should be lower. And I've found that like a strategy that's helpful for me to keep my mental health in check is to manage my expectations and to not always expect perfection out of myself. Yeah, that's good. And yeah, I, I think, uh, good. Sorry. I, I think too, like we're kind of wired this way as people to like compare ourselves against other people. So it's really good to sort of break the mold and just be like, well, this is what I can do. So I should only expect that out of myself. 
Yeah. Well, not just that. It's like I, I have these high expectations out of myself because of past performance. But the past performance was in a different world, essentially, right? Like Town Hall 13 and Town Hall 14 are two different experiences. They're not the same thing. And the experience doesn't necessarily transfer one to one. And when I was Town Hall 13, I had a lot more free time because I was working from home. I was available in the apartment. I could be on Discord with you know, our buddies in SOG and we could like talk through our attacks and do all these things that I'm not currently doing. So if I know how to do the triples, right? Like if I know how to triple at a decent rate and I know what's required practice wise and planning wise and all of those things, if I know all of those things that are required and how much I need to do it in order for me to be able to triple and I'm not doing them, well, then my expectations should not be to have the same experience and the same performance that I had in Tunnel 13. You, right. you know, and like, I don't know, that's, that's just for me is like in everything in life. Like, I, you know, I try, um, before I got diagnosed with cancer, it, it's a kind of funny story, but I was training for a triathlon and I was in like the best shape of my entire life and then <laughs> got diagnosed with leukemia. And that was interesting, but I was like the weirdo at the, um, cancer ward because the, I got diagnosed on a Friday, the Tuesday before it, I rode my bike for 14 miles and I was pissed that I was, I only rode 14 miles. I was supposed to do a 30 mile ride. And I couldn't. <laughs> and I like think back to that moment. And I, I'm like, you, you got to give yourself a little bit of a break. Sometimes you have to understand that you're not always going to be performing at a hundred percent. You're not always going to be able to just, you know, pull out that three star out of nowhere you're not always going to be able to do your best effort if you haven't allowed yourself all of the things that are required to be at your best. So I, I'm curious if you're here, let's go to you. I'm curious of your perspective on in real life friends versus digital friends and what role in real life friends play in helping you through a tough situation versus what role digital friends and it's kind, of, it's kind of weird, me and T have talked about this a little bit, but back in the old days, before the internet, if you wanted friends, you almost had to shape yourselves to their expectations, especially if you grew up in a small town or maybe you went to a small school, you only knew a limited number of people. Well, if those people acted a certain way and expected you to act a certain way, then your options are kind of limited to be yourself, unfortunately. And with the advent of the internet and with the advent of gaming and you know games like Clash of Clans, you're a little more free to be yourself. So take myself, for example, I used to go to a CrossFit gym a lot. I went to a CrossFit gym for four or five years and had some great friends at CrossFit, um, but I didn't feel like I fit in. The atmosphere wasn't conducive to my personality completely. And so I decided to leave and I do my workouts, you know, at home. Uh, but I, but I, I wonder how much of that was me, how much of that was me not being willing to put myself out there. How much of that was me just being more comfortable by myself because I'm definitely an introvert when it comes to that. If I have a difficult situation that I go through, my tendency is to go out on the back deck sit by myself and just clash. So Hero, what's your relationship when it comes to digital friends versus in real life friends? It's hard sometimes. I think I find it a lot easier to talk about issues with online friends. And mm. a lot of times I'm re really close to some of my close friends, but I still have a really hard time sharing that. I don't know if it's just because we've been friends for so long. I somehow feel like I would be like, they would think less of me or something. It, maybe it's just my mindset. You know, I really care about those people and they know I go through depression and stuff too. But in the middle of like sort of an episode, it's really hard for me to reach out to like my close friends in real life. Whereas it's a lot easier for me on Discord to just kind of send a message to somebody, maybe not even tell them that that's what I'm going through, but just kind of mm -hmm. have nice conversations with them and kind of cheer me up that way too. Yeah. It's, it's different. Yeah. And I do that. I, I, I totally do that. <laughs> T knows that I do that. <laughs> the other, yeah. I've, I've been, this week is a perfect example for me. 
I've been going through a really tough week because my uh, job requires me to be in a lot of different situations. And I had to work with this older couple um, and the doctor had to inform the husband that he doesn't have that much longer. And so I had to be there to help the wife, to help the husband go through this really difficult time. And whenever you're doing that as your job, it's nearly impossible to not take that experience and bring it home with you. And as I said, the tendency for me, especially when I'm going through something like that, or if I, if I'm just really feeling down is just to ball up and not really talk to anybody or do anything. But thankfully I've developed this relationship with, with T where I shot him a message and I just said, Hey man, it's been a really tough night. <laughs> and I told him about the situation. He was like, dude, that sucks, man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and, that, and that was it. Like, and that's all that I needed to be honest with yeah. you. Just, just that little bit. Uh, and, and it helped. And, and I'm, I would be a mess to not say that my wife is not amazing. Cause she most definitely is. Um, and she's a huge support. Sometimes. Sometimes it's helpful to have people other than those who are in person, like you said, hero, those who are closest to you whether it's because you don't want them to think negatively negatively of you or you don't want to have that in-depth discussion. Oftentimes, I, I, again, I'm stereotyping, but as a man, we tend to hold our feelings in and we don't want to talk about it. And sometimes just shooting a message to somebody, like you said, just helps the situation and it helps me. T, do you do the same thing? Yeah. Um, I've kind of been the weirdo uh, my whole life, <laughs> but um, like, I always was into stuff that people around me weren't into. Like I was the, the kid in elementary school who was like reading game of Thrones and everybody was like, why are you reading books? Like that's, <laughs> that's so dumb. Like you're so weird. And so I've kind of always been like a little bit of the outsider. So like you said before, I learned to perform, I learned to fit in. Like I played football and I, you know, I learned to get into the social circles that I wasn't an outcast. But I was always looking for like my people and I was always looking for more people. And I and like at the advent of the Internet, I was pretty quick into trying to meet like, you know, other people that were like me. And it's funny, one of my best friends, his name is Paul. Uh, shout out to Paul. I, I don't think he, he listens because he doesn't play Clash of Clans, but uh, <laughs> shout out him, shout out to him anyways. But he and I have actually never met in person. We've come very close a couple of times. Like he's from my neck of the woods, like about like an hour or so away. And so like he had a wedding that was only about like two hours away from me. Like he, he doesn't live near near where I am anymore. And it just didn't work out timing wise. So like we've never actually met, but he's one of my best friends. We talk every single day and like, I don't know what I would do if I lost him as a friend, you know, you know, what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I've, I've known him since I was like 15. So I've always kind of considered online friends to be like the same. I don't really distinguish in my head between in real life and online friends, but I think there's something to be said for the, the distinction that you guys are making between reaching out for help, I think is much easier when you don't think that you're going to have to face that person in real life. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. that, that yeah. like, built in shame that we have as Americans that is um, anything to do with mental health is just kind of embarrassing or shameful or like, like how dare you complain about something that's going on in your brain? Like, it, you know, like we have this weird stigma in America and I'm not saying that that's unique to America because lots of places have this stigma, but I can only really speak to my experience growing up in, in the U S and as a, you know, cis white, male <laughs> mm -hmm. like I, right yeah. I, I have a limited amount of experience in that aspect but we're taught like i was raised by you know the son of an immigrant who you know he's he's i, I don't want to make this seem like, like you know i have like bad parents but i love my parents they're the best they're great but when it came to mental health aspects it was just kind of expected for you to just kind of get over it yeah and it's 
tough when like your support systems and the people that you love and care about like they have I, I don't know it's almost like they have too much baggage and they they have this image of who you are that they can't even give you good actionable advice or be the person that's like the shoulder that you can use to cry on because like they have this image like to my parents I'm their kid to my sister I'm her brother and if I don't fit into the box that they imagine me to fix in it's it's not only that I'm kind of like ashamed that I'm depressed or anxious or whatever I'm going through it's also that like they're not really even going to be the people that that can help me very well because they have these preconceptions of who I am hmm. and so for real life friends I don't know I think I've kind of I've cultivated a group of people in my life that I feel comfortable talking about this stuff with. And I've done that intentionally and it's taken a very long time. And I think that's something that I learned to do in like my early twenties. And then it was solidified when I got cancer, because when I got cancer, it was like this bifurcation of my friends where there were, it was like an instant delineator between the friends who I could talk to about the things that I was going through and the friends that just wanted to say, Hey, I hope you get better. And like, not yeah. anything else. And once that happened, I realized, you know, I was lucky enough to get through it and I'm okay. But I realized afterwards, like, I don't need those kinds of friends in my life, real life or otherwise that are just that surface level of friend. I don't, I don't need to invest in those relationships. Like those are not relationships that are good for me. Whereas like now I kept the friends that, that were willing to talk to me that were, were engaged. And like, now if I'm going through something, I can reach out to those people because I know they're not going to run away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think a good point is that I don't think, and, and I, this could be completely scientifically wrong, but I don't necessarily think that our mental health issues ever get any easier if somebody struggles with depression, they're going to have that in their life for the rest of their life. For me, that's been the case. Mm. It's just as I've gotten older and as I've reached out to more people, I've learned better ways of coping, better you ways know, of dealing with the issue. There's something that I, I talk about with my trainer a lot in the gym that I... <laughs> spoke about in therapy and someone was like, you know, that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. And it, it's something funny about weightlifting where you, the weight never gets lighter. <laughs> the weight never, ever gets lighter. You just get more capable of lifting it. Mm. And I've always looked at that as that works with, with mental health as well. It's never any easier. Like no matter how many times I go through a depressive episode, it's never any easier. It, it's never any less bad. It's just that I've developed habits, tools, strategies, friends, relationships that help me be more capable of getting out of that depressive episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I used to think all the time, like, Oh man, I'm sure once I get married, I'll be happier. You know, I'm sure once mm -hmm. I get a good job, I'll be happy. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, it, you really have to develop those things that will actually, you know, help you with those types of things instead of, you know, thinking yeah. whatever's the yeah. next best thing. You're still going to be dealing with that weight the whole time. Yeah, right. very and true. I think as our society as well, like we have this stigma against mental health. We also have this pressure that if only I had this. If only I did this, if only I accomplished this, that like, that's how you're going to be happier, but that's not where happiness comes from. Right. You, you know, like there's like, those are little blips of happiness. Like those are little injections of serotonin that will feel real good, but the serotonin fades and then you're still left at your baseline. And if you don't have tools and strategies like, for what works for you. Like I, I always, it's obviously like why I ended up on a strategy podcast. It was because I view kind of everything in my life as tools and strategies, tools and strategies, tools and strategies. And that's what works for me, but that's not what works for other people. And I, that was like, I think the biggest struggle that I ever had in my life was realizing the things that work for me don't work for other people. <laughs> right. You, you yeah. know, and that's that's okay 
And I just, it's one of those things that I had to come to grips with, you know, in my early twenties when I had a couple brushes with um, suicide and, and depression and, you know, friends that, that I lost that like, I had to realize that I can't fix other people just because I, you know, at the time thought that I fixed myself, you know, and it's, it's something that like, that was one of the things that drove me to, to seek out therapy and to talk to a therapist, to talk to a professional was I had a friend of mine that I was very close with that committed suicide. And I, I blamed myself because they reached out to me for help and I couldn't help them. Mm. And that's tough. And it's something that I don't wish on anybody to have to deal with. But at the same time, you know, it's why I, I, as soon as somebody says that they're struggling with something, it's like, you go to a therapist. Like yeah. if they, they're the only ones that are going to be able to help. Yeah. And I don't know, like I, I used to think that I had all the answers for it. And it, it's just, I don't even have all the answers for myself. Yeah. yeah. Hero, <laughs> yeah. you went through something similar, uh, didn't you, with a friend? Yeah. I mean, growing up, I, you know, I was pretty young, but I, I tried to, you know, commit suicide a couple different times growing up. And so I did go to therapy quite a bit growing up. But then as I, you know, after I turned 18 or so, I didn't really go to therapy or anything after that. And then uh, I ha I've actually had within this year, three different people that I know, not really people that I was super close with, but they all committed suicide. And I would consider them, you know, friends, if not friendly, just not super close. And so it was like, really kind of struck me as like something that was just like, man, you know, I, I really need to reach out more and, and try and take care of my own issues. Because if that many, you know, people that I know are kind of dealing with stuff that I, you know, I didn't even know some of these guys were struggling with, you know, yeah. this, probably the same kind of issues that I'm having. Well, and I think that that's a tendency for anybody, you know, who's a good guy, like you are hero, for example, you have the tendency to take other people's problems on yourself. I, I do that. You know, I see somebody who's struggling or for example, the situation that I talked about earlier with the, you know, older couple that I'm, I'm working with, like I take that upon myself. Is there a way that you deal with issues as they pop up and, and maybe it's something serious, like a friend who commits suicide. Maybe it's something, not so serious. Like, man, I haven't got a triple in three wars. This really <laughs> sucks. You know, is, are there things that you do to help yourself through those difficult times? Uh, with, with me, it just is like, just trying to be honest with myself. Like if, you know, if this is what's going on, you know, really, really cement that kind of in my mind and then move from there, like get a baseline of what's going on and not, not invent problems because sometimes I have a tendency to just like you know making a mountain out of a molehill kind of we all do like, that we mm -hmm. all do that yeah mm -hmm. and yeah. so just like seeing what's wrong and then working at it from there just being like okay so how can I help you know yeah so there's an article that I looked up uh, as I was doing some research for this podcast and there's nothing necessarily special about this website or this group of individuals but I really like their list um, and this is a list from the website peoplefirstinfo.org.uk. But some of the things that they recommended are, number one, get plenty of sleep. And Hero, you've mentioned that when you were going through your most difficult mental health time, sleep was optional almost. And I know yeah. that that's, that's true for me because uh, with my job, I'm called out you know, to emergency sometimes and to situations. And if I don't get good regular sleep, then I'm going to experience more mental health episodes. And so I oftentimes people in the clan know that typically tips not available after 10 PM because I go to bed and then I typically <laughs> get up at the same time about six o'clock every morning. So sleep is super important to me. Uh, T mm. is that something that is important to you as well? It's it's funny. I've struggled with insomnia um, kind of my whole life, and I always used to struggle because I'm not really a morning person, and I used to struggle getting to work on time, which is a problem because I open the business and nothing <laughs> can happen until I'm there. So it's something that 
what I learned was like, I have to regiment my sleep. Like you said, you go to bed at a certain time, you wake up at a certain time, and that is just the expectation and you cannot deviate. And I like, I legitimately can't sleep late anymore. <laughs> like the way I fixed it, like when I, so when I w- was sick, um, to give you like a scale of how long I was sick for, um, I didn't live in my own apartment for about like 18 months. And I obviously wasn't really working. You know, I was helping where I could, but I, I couldn't really work. I couldn't be around people. So 18 months of unregimented sleep. I don't think I was on time for six months <laughs> when I went back to work. Yeah, it's understandable. So I had to legit every single day. I had multiple alarms to make myself go to sleep at the same time. I had to take melatonin so that I could re-regulate my sleep schedule. And then every day, seven days a week, didn't matter if it was Sunday, a holiday, whatever. I woke up at the exact same time for about two years before I was able to really fix my sleep schedule. And then once I got that fixed, all of a sudden, it's not that big a problem to be on time at at work in the morning. And then suddenly... I'm not as cranky in the morning. And like a lot of my mental health issues that, you know, I was like an angry little elf every single morning, like yelling <laughs> at everybody. Um, and that's not me. Like, I don't, I don't yell at people. But once I kind of fixed that sleep issue that I was having, and I, I say fixed, like <laughs> it remains a work in progress. Ongoing struggle. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I, I fixed it enough that I am functioning at what I would say is a high level all of a sudden, like I'm much more pleasant to be around in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. True. So the next two on the list, I think are kind of interrelated, but uh, number two is eat well. And then number three is avoid alcohol, smoking and drugs. To me, they're interrelated in that. Yes. Eat. They're two different things, but also when I'm experiencing some downtime, uh, some depression going through a dark spell, I will tend to turn to things that put a bandaid on the issue, which, you know, maybe that's eating a bunch of stuff that I shouldn't, you know, uh, I, I don't drink that much. Uh, I don't do drugs, but maybe that is turning to alcohol hero. Do you find yourself whenever you're going through a tougher time, tending to maybe binge eat, uh, turn to alcohol, which I know that you've talked about that a little bit. Um, but any of those? Yeah, definitely. I think you know, it's, that's almost the first things I turn to, you know, when I'm really feeling down, it's just like, you know, every day, you know, I get off work and since I'm already feeling depressed, it's like, oh, I'm just going to go get a six pack after work. Well, then mm-hmm. if I drink that six pack tonight, you know, that's terrible. And well, then tomorrow it's like the same thing. It's like, oh man, that was such a bad day at work. And, and so I, I've had to kind of like make a distinction to myself, like when I'm feeling down, like, you know, maybe I shouldn't drink alcohol this week because I'm clearly feeling depressed. And so maybe I should just stay away from it because, you know, it only helps me spiral even worse when I drink when I'm depressed. So it really doesn't do any good. I don't know why I always turn to it. Yeah. So uh, in my profession, I have had the fortunate opportunity to help with a lot of AA meetings And one of the things that they always say in the AA meetings is that tomorrow's a new day and today is a new day. So if you messed up last night, man, get up this morning and, you know, do the strategies that T has talked about, for example, to make those positive decisions, those, that positive structure. And I I think that that's super important. Definitely. Uh, Number four on the list is get plenty of sunlight. I think that's pretty important. Um, you have you get plenty of sunlight i guess uh so that, that's a that's a funny specific thing for my experience uh, i thought it was interesting yeah <laughs> um i don't actually get sunlight because i i put so much sunscreen on anytime i go outside because uh you know risk factors are a thing um yeah true but but <laughs> I, I think the the point that they're trying to make here with the get plenty of sunlight like uh, number one vitamin d is actually a mood um, regulator and so getting sunlight gets more vitamin d helps regulate your moods uh, so i actually i take a vitamin d supplement because my vitamin d is um 
chronically low. <laughs> so I, I, the thing though, and this is something that I I've learned with my life is to kind of force yourself to do stuff outside m- more than you might want to. And I think, you know, Tina, uh, Tip and I have talked about this before where I was always like an active kid. Like my parents put me in like, you know, every sport I played a ton um, of different, uh, like different sports. Like I played football and hockey and I don't even remember what else I played because I didn't care about any of the other sports, but um, <laughs> I, I did all these things. And then I went to college and I stopped playing any sports at all. Uh, none. And I had like no structure. I had no exercise. I never went outside and it was really bad for me. And I was always depressed. And especially in the winter, I was like just miserable. I was just utterly like the winter time was always the worst for me because I would just like hole up in my room and play video games and not see anybody. And like springtime would come and everybody would be like, Hey, there's tea. Like <laughs> rejoin the world. Um, and I found out like what it was is that I used to play hockey every winter. And so every winter I would have something to look forward to. I'd have, you know, the hockey team with all my teammates on it. We'd get to play sports. We'd have that com- competition and that competitive drive that I, I was looking for. And then I didn't have it. So I found snowboarding. And so I learned to snowboard when I was 24, which is pretty late in life to learn how to snowboard. Because let me tell you, the first day you snowboard, everything hurts. Um <laughs> But after that, now I don't like I I can tell when winter is is close because my my mental state will deteriorate a little bit. But because I have snowboarding to look forward to, it has kind of blunted the edge of that depression. And I'm not saying it's gone, but I'm much more able to manage it because you know, I get to go outside, I get to snowboard, I get to do this thing that I love to do. And I, a lot of times I plan these big trips with my friends so that we can, you know, have like, we have something to look forward to for months and then we get to go and it's awesome. And I have a a ton of fun and I get to do this thing that I love to do. And that helps kind of manage that seasonal depression that I normally have to you know, struggle through and COVID did not help. Let me tell you, but Mm. I think that's kind of what they're getting at with the get plenty of sunlight where, you know, get outside, walk your dog. If you have a dog, go for a a run. If you like running, get a bike and go for a bike ride, like do, do those things outside because one of the things that we'll talk about kind of in two steps uh, is like moving around feels good. It helps you clear some of those bad thoughts, it gives you other things to think about. So, yeah. And you kind of hit on numbers five, six, and seven, which number five is manage stress, mm-hmm. um, which that can be done in a multitude of different ways. But number six is activity and uh, activity and exercise. And then number seven is do something you enjoy. And for me, my feedback on that is I find that I'm the most healthy mentally whenever I am doing stuff like T talked about, I'm exercising and I'm getting outside and I'm walking the dogs and I'm most healthy mentally when I do that on a regular basis. And Mm -hmm. the, the difficult thing is whenever I get out of rhythm on that. So Mm -hmm. if I miss a week of working out, for example, it can be really tough to get back into it. And especially for somebody maybe who has not been that active, maybe they haven't really exercised much at all in the last six months or a year, getting back into it, is going to be much harder than just sitting around and doing what I've been doing. Yeah. So, but after that first week or two, I definitely see an improvement. Hero, do you feel the same way? Oh, definitely. I think, you know, as I, I'm, I drive truck for a living, so I rarely get out of my truck. You know, I'll drive 600 miles a day usually, and then only get out of my truck t- twice in the day. So exercise is like seems like so hard for me but once I actually get out and start doing it especially like if I have like a schedule I know on the weekends because I'm home every weekend so I go frisbee golfing with a couple of my friends here in Mm -hmm. town and like it helps a lot because normally with sitting so much it's like that's all I want to do all weekend too but since we already have that kind of planned out for the weekend it really does help like my mental health and and physical health 
definitely. that's funny when i when i wasn't cleared for full physical activity like when i was a kid i used to love like we played you know quote unquote frisbee golf aka that tree over there is the hole everybody throw the frisbees <laughs> at the tree um but I, it's interesting so a buddy of mine who was really really great like all throughout when i was sick introduced me to real frisbee golf like an, on an actual course i didn't even know that they existed around me <laughs> but like apparently we have a bunch um and it is amazing I love that goddamn sport. It's so good. And you're right. Like it's the perfect thing where you don't like, I I don't know. Like I, I obviously you could have the bad group and and not have a good time, but like, how can you not have a good time? Like walking around, shooting the breeze, like throwing, you don't even, you don't even have to be athletic to play. Like it's just go have a great time. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And and it's, it's, it's more interesting than just going for a walk and, Mm -hmm that's like one of the things that I always struggled with where like one of the, one of the approved physical activities that I was allowed to do was walk. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I gotta be honest with you. I I did not walk very much. Mm. I just, I couldn't. So I got an indoor bike and I would, you know, uh, bike indoors and I would do those things. I'd go up and down stairs, but like having people to talk to when you're exercising is choice. It is so much better. It's so much easier. And something that I'll share, um, so, like, because I struggle with the same sort of thing where if I miss like a gym day or I change a habit or something like that, I struggle to get back onto like the exercise bus. Something that I had to do was instead of saying, when I get home from work, I have to go to the gym. Or when I want to go to the gym, I, you know, like have to work myself up to it and be like, all right, I'm going to go to the gym in an hour. Instead of doing any of those things, what I say is, okay, Monday, Thursday, and Saturday, I go to the gym, period. Declarative statement. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no question. There's no possibility in my head that I don't do those things. And because that's the mindset that I go at it with Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, I go to the gym. And it seems simple. It seems silly, but that's the thing that helped me build the habit that like now, you know, we had a, a couple days where we couldn't make it to the gym. Like my fiance and I go together. So that's another thing that's helpful is like have a gym buddy. But we've had like a couple times where, you know, she's swamped with schoolwork or I'm swamped at my job and like I don't get home in time. And yet I still managed to go the next time. So, OK, I didn't ma- manage to go to the gym on Thursday. I go to the gym on Saturday. That's fine. And because I have this mindset of I go to the gym on these days and there's no ifs, ands, or buts, I've been able to develop enough of a habit that like they can tolerate a couple of those little misses here and there. Because I used to be, you know, I would develop, oh, like Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays are the days that I have to go to the gym. And that was what I would have my mindset. And then I would miss a Friday because a friend would invite me out somewhere cool. And I'd be like, oh, that sounds awesome. I'm doing that instead. And I would go out and then I wouldn't go to the gym on Monday. And then I wouldn't go to the gym on Wednesday. And then I wouldn't go to the gym and then I wouldn't go to the gym. And then it would be like six months before I would get back into the gym. And that's not great. Right. <laughs> it's, it's okay to miss one day out of three, you know, every other week or, you know, obviously yeah. you don't want to, but like, it's okay to miss a day or two, but it's not okay to miss a month or two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Number eight on that list is connect with others and be sociable, which we've discussed uh, quite a bit already. Number nine is do things for others. And to me, uh, I'll give an example of how this has really helped me. Um, We access and I, uh, who we had on the second episode of clash tips, uh, the clash tips podcast, we were able to work together to put together a super fun Christmas war that we're doing in EYG and that outreach, that activity, the feeling of, that I'm helping other people, that I'm doing something for others. It definitely uplifted my mental health. It, it definitely uplifted my mood. Hero, what are your feelings on this? Doing something for others, whether that be for your family, for your friends, class friends, real life, digital life. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be like some big extravagant thing either, even small things. I know just the other week I went to a garage sale and I saw this vacuum that was like 
an old Kirby vacuum. And if there's one thing I know, it's my mother-in-law loves these old Kirby vacuums because she cleans for a living. And so I sent her a picture of it and I said, Hey, do you want me to get this vacuum for you? It's at this garage sale. And then she like immediately calls me and she was like, so like, Oh, please, you got to get that and I'll pay you back and all this stuff. So I just picked up the vacuum for her and I, you know, she didn't even pay me back, which is fine. Cause I wanted to give it to her and you know, it, it made me feel good anyways. And, She's been just raving about this old vacuum, you know, yeah. throughout the weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. And then uh, the last thing on the list, of course, is ask for help, which we have emphasized over and over again in this podcast. Talk to other people, uh, message yeah. people on Discord, DM, get a Reach professional's out. help. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it, it this has been tough to talk about. It's tough to open up about, but I, I wanted people to know that it's more common than we let on in American society and around the world, really. People struggle with it all over the place. You know, hop in Discord, just say, hey, like Hero said, just say, hey, you know, how you guys doing? You know, what do you think of the, the Clash Worlds championship that's happened right now? Sometimes just having that person that you can connect to is a huge help. Hmm. T, do you have any final comments or thoughts on, uh, on this topic? I think the most important thing that I, I would stress for people is that it's okay to struggle and you should be willing to cut yourself some slack because I think in today's world, like, especially if you grew up, like, you know, I I'm a millennial at the, at the oldest edge of the definition, but mm -hmm. you know, we kind of grew up, we, we got lucky, I think to grow up in a time where, you know, like in middle school, social media didn't exist. And high school social media still didn't really exist at all. Like it was my freshman year that that Facebook kind of became a thing beyond just Mark Zuckerberg's little experiment. And I think that was that was hugely beneficial because I, I didn't have to constantly look at all of my peers, social media presence and how perfect their lives appeared. And I think that's kind of a detriment if you kind of grew up in the the second half of that <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it's a struggle today i mean it's huge right and i can't imagine like I, I as an adult having all of the tools that i've developed in my life for my mental health and my ability to cope with things and my ability to um, remain at some level rational and have some amount of perspective i can't imagine going back to middle school version of me without any of those tools and having all of that access to social media. So I, I think like the biggest thing I would say is like cut yourself a break and not expect perfection at all moments and all times and understand that every single person on this goddamn planet has needed help with something at some mm -hmm. point in time. I don't care who they are. I don't care how much they want to tell you or sell you a myth that they're self-made. Yep. Everybody needed help. Everybody's gotten help and it's okay to need help. Yeah. Yeah. True. Hero. I would say that, you know, you're not alone and, you know, really be honest with yourself. I remember growing up, I was in a very abusive household. You know, my dad made us like chop up his meth lines for him and everything, but that doesn't mean that I have a bigger claim on depression or anything than anyone else. We all have our own issues and our own problems, and we just need to be honest with our friends and others. And even if we need to go to a therapist, I mean, that's they're professionals. We're not professionals. We might be your friends and we might want what's best for you. But, you know, just be honest with yourself and with others. Find the things that like work for you, because we can talk all about how we've found these helpful habits and these helpful things for us. But it's not going to be the same for you. Uh, what helped me work through my depression is not going to help somebody else work through theirs. Mm. And so like, don't judge yourself that you tried. If you try something and it doesn't work, don't blame yourself. Mm. It just means that there are other tools and other things that you should try to do instead that might work better for you. And I, I think one of the things that I struggled with when I was younger was I was going through these depressive episodes and reading about it and thinking like, oh, these are the things that you, that, that you do to get out of depression. 
And then I would try them and they wouldn't work. And then I would get more depressed because the thing didn't work. And I, I just want to stress that something will work for you. There is a, a strategy or a coping mechanism or a therapist that can help you deal with the things that you're going through. It just might not be the first one. Yeah. So just like keep your head up and like keep trying because something will work. Yeah. So hop into the discord. Uh, I'll put the discord link to the clash tips discord uh, in the show notes. Be, we're open about it. You know, bring up the conversation. Conversations are good. Talking about it is good. And we welcome those conversations. Yeah. And there are cute puppy and kitten pictures. And those I find <laughs> always help. Very true. Very true. Thanks, guys, for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.